Hello again, ladies and gentlemen. Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you Chapter 12 of Hunter Hunted Hybrid Wars, my third in the Clan Mason series of fan fictions. And as always, I do hope you'll like, share, and subscribe to this wherever you can, and leave feedback either places like fanfiction.net, archiveofourown.org, or even at my own website, ghostnobody.com. All your thoughts and feelings are always welcome, and I always enjoy seeing what you guys have to say. And if you do go to ghostnobody.com, Check out Storm Rider, my original story being told there and nowhere else. You know, if big surly dragon-esque girls, orcs and elves and other various species, you know, all taking place in a magical realm is your thing, check it out. I'm pretty sure you'll enjoy it. And also, while you're there, check out the Ghostly Links section. Pick yourself up a copy of Mortis, my original novel, from either Amazon or Smashwords. Help support me and keep me doing what I love. And also an update for you guys now on ghostnobody.com. The um, story of Hybrid Wars is obviously being republished there, as is Radiance and all my other stories. But due to the size limits, it seems to have caused a problem with updating, given the sheer amount of chapters. So what I've done is I've split both Hybrid Wars and Radiance up, so that there is now a part two. So all the chapters that we're trying to publish in the previous weeks now, are all published in there. So there'll be like two chapters currently in Hybrid Wars and two in Radiance. That should bring them up to date with the current publishings. The only one I believe is behind now is Radiance, which has a couple more weeks catch up to current date. But it obviously will do in time. So any guys reading that there, who are currently reading it or rereading it on there, go to those chapters and you'll be able to read the current chapters. So, with all that out the way, let's get on with the show, shall we? Oh, but first the usual legal disclaimer. I don't own uh, AVP or anything to do with it. That's all the rights of their own studios. I just keep the Huntresses happy. Let's get on with the show. Chapter 12. Hidden World. Zed seemed to be the only one who was having an easy time running on the fine, ever-shifting sands of the desert. His huge paws acting like snowshoes, spreading his weight out as he ran. The others, how much, were not having such a fun time. Their boots were sinking into the fine sand with every step, but not one of the running seekers ever slowed down, keeping incredible pace. Seekers, like hunters, are not just soldiers, they're trained athletes who could push their endurance to obscene levels, and Jack introduced SAS-style endurance training into both hunters' and seekers' training to ensure that they could keep going no matter what was thrown at them. In fact, he based a large part of their training selection on legendary SAS selection, which was infamous on Earth for pushing candidates well beyond the endurance and breaking points of the vast majority of the human race. But he wanted every single hunter and seeker to put that armour on, to not just be at that level but far beyond it. This, in his opinion, would give them a huge advantage on a prolonged battlefield, because even with their modern tech, he never knew when you were going to have to go old school and just hoof it. Just like now, for instance. Now Jack had taught every single candidate the tricks for survival. This kind of endurance training, like mental detachment, you just simply sent your mind to another place while your body just carried on. It helped to push you through your limits. The trick was to keep your mind away from your body so that it didn't realise what it was enduring. Kind of like the way some people used music while running to help them focus though under the glaring and burning hot sun of all of them. They were glad of the arm's cooling systems, which helped regulate their body temperatures. 
even Zed's armour, which was a six, huge six-legged fire tiger, was undoubtedly grateful for, with all that fur right about now. In fact, the only one who wasn't having to push their endurance here was Annalise, who was currently riding on Zed's back as he ran. Why do I get the feeling you're imagining our Grand Matriarch playing volleyball again? Mav panted all of a sudden, making Jack laugh and cough as he was running as they followed the tracks in the sand. All the Seekers had a very close relationship, and despite operating as a military unit, they did tend to speak to one another like friends or family. I would, except they're actually doing it for real kind of ruined the fantasy. As good as it was to see her in a bikini jumping about on the beach... The squad of battle angels repairing the facial injuries from high-speed ball-to-face impact kind of ruined it for me, because everyone kind of started putting on armour, or at least the helmets, to play against her. It's not sexy, you know? He replied, making them all laugh, as the memories of the Seekers versus Hunter Beach volleyball competition flooded back. The joy of many pretty Yajuta and human girls in bikinis has been short-lived by the utter war that had broken out on the court. One was bad at the time Monty tried to get the Hunters to play dodgeball as part of their PT regiment, Annalise said, and that made them all wince and laugh some more. Yeah, he kind of forgot to factor in just how competitive Yajuta girls get, and he also failed to explain that the objective was just to tag your opponent, not put them through a porking wall, Mav said, making Jack laugh. I think I'll just go back to my tick doing a Baywatch slow motion run in a wed swimsuit fantasy if it's all the same to you. He said, What's Baywatch? Annalise asked, and Jack laughed. I sometimes forget that a sizable chunk of our population's never even set foot on Earth, let alone seen our entertainment history. Baywatch was a television program about a fi- fictional tales about a group of lifeguards on a beach who did stuff like solved crimes and mysteries. And before you ask, no, I have no idea why lifeguards would be doing such things either. But they did though I think it was just an excuse to sh- show us images of pretty women and men running around with very little clothing on, Jack said. So you came up with our grand matriarch in a red swimsuit running along a beach? Jack asked, and Mav asked, and Jack laughed. You forgot the slow motion. The slow motion part is very important, Jack said. Hmm, I wonder why, Annalise said sarcastically, and Mark laughed. Because physics, that's why. And hey... I'm not giving you stick about the mental image you're having of a certain red-scaled dragon-like boy running along the beach in a thong stopping to shake the spray off his pretty tail, now am I? Jack said, and Annalise snorted in her helmet. Well, I wasn't until you mentioned it, she exclaimed, and Jack grinned. And now you can't unsee it, and you're welcome, by the way, he replied. By Pyre, the way you lot are acting anyone swear, I'm going to ravish that poor draconis boy like I'm some sort of scale predator. She said, and the others all laughed out loud. We're just cheering you on, is all. It's obvious you like him. And to him, the very first female who's not tried to hurt him, use him, rape him, or even abuse him. So you have an opportunity to teach him the truth of love, and how it feels to be cared for, and about. And we all know you're a good person, Annalise. You'd be good for him. And we all believe he'd be good for you. I wandered in his mind and his heart, and I saw who he is, and he is an immensely kind and gentle person who just wants to be loved. Oh, and he happens to think you're the most beautiful thing he's ever seen, Jack said, making Annalise stutter. 
But before she could come up with a response, Jack stopped and brought his fist up. The group froze and began scanning 360 degrees as they sought out any threats nearby. But not one of them saw anything. Does anyone else feel that? Jack asked, his eyes sparkling under his helmet as he reached out with his abilities. In fact, all of their eyes were glowing now as they all reached out. Suddenly both teams turned their heads towards the mountain at the same point at the same spot. There, he said in unison. What you got? Jack asked. There's a strong pull of nature there. I feel a huge mass of life, Rita said, and Annalise nodded in agreement. There was also a huge build-up in energy in the area as well. But Jack was picking up something else too. Something spiritual. You feel that, Mav? He asked, and Mav nodded his head. There's a large flux of spiritual energy in that area. I'd advise caution here, Grand Patriarch. They could be use, using spirits to either defend or shield the location, Mav said thoughtfully. Jack nodded. He really was rather smart. Suddenly the name Ghost Leather has made a fair bit more sense. If their equivalent of soul knights had used the dead to hide them from the living, then chances are they didn't want any visitors. But Jack, hoping them being dream warriors like them, would at least give them some trust points. But either way, they were here to save innocent people from either the wrath or influence of the Nightmare Assassins, and that was a battle they could not afford to lose. As they climbed out of the sandy desert and onto the edge of the rocky mountains, the group followed the tracks of the two Nightmare Assassins right to the edge of the rocky outcrops, where a group turned into a mixture of flat rock and gravel, which actually made them start to wish for the sand back. Suddenly Jack began to sense a darkness and powerful anger from not far ahead of them. We're close, he said, and Zed made a low growl as if agreeing with him. The big feline's ears were swivelling as he tracked some sort of unheard noise ahead of them. Zed asked them. They're just ahead, and he said a voice low and dark. Let's get these fuckers. I'm not going to let them hurt a single scale on those innocent glow slitherers. They're our brothers and sisters, and we will protect them, Jack said, and the other three nodded. The four seekers moved tactily towards the source of the energy that they were sensing. Out of seemingly nowhere, a huge cage mouth just appeared. It was almost perfectly camouflaged by the layout of the rocks. You were looking at the mountain straight on, you'd never see it. But at the angle they were now stood below it, showed up. It was kind of like one of those optical illusions of those paintings that changed perspective if you viewed them from different angles. The four of them switched to night vision as they entered the cave mouth. Huge stalactites and stalagmites created an illusion of a giant mouth filled with huge pointy fang-like teeth. Jack keyed his comms. Seeker 1-1 to Dreamer. We've reached what appears to be a cave of some sort leading underground into a mountain range. We've tracked the two nightmare assassins here and are heading inside to apprehend them. We may go off comms or lose biosignals depending on how deep this goes. I'll leave a signal relay at the cave mouth. It may help, but if you don't hear from us in a couple of hours, send us a team to this location. Over, he said. Tick's voice came back almost immediately. Roger that, my love, and I cannot tell you now... I do not hear from you in a couple of hours. I will be coming down there myself to search every single inch of those porking caves. And Pyre help anyone who may have harmed any one of you. Dreamer over and out. 
I've glanced at Jack, who just shrugged with a grin. Oh, Grand Matriarch never pokes about, does she? He said, and Jack laughed. Not when me or our cubs are concerned, no. No quicker way to make her go from happy tick to beat you to death with your own arsehole tick than to threaten one of us in front of her. He said, making the others laugh as every one of them knew the extent of the Grand Matriarch's power and protective streak only too well. It truly was the stuff of legends within the clan. Annalise hopped off to Zed's back and patted the huge tiger's flank. He'd be moving ahead of them, leading the team in the hunt. He'd also be the first to hit them when the time came. There was nothing like an angry armoured fire tiger coming out at you out of the darkness to really shit you up and throw you off your game. Especially when you then got ambushed by four armoured dream warriors in its wake as well. The cave narrowed into a series of tunnels that branched off in a multitude of different directions. The Seekers weren't really looking for the ghost slitherers just yet. They were more focused on the nightmare assassins. They wanted to stop them reaching the ghost slitherers and inflicting any damage whatsoever on them. So following Zed's powerful nose, the team took turn after turn through the winding rock tunnels. And after a while, Jack's comms unit beeped to let them know they'd lost the relay and they were now cut off from their support. Tighten up, people. By the th- numbers, I would prefer this to be a capture mission. But no matter what, we will protect those innocent ghost slitherers, so lethal force is authorised. Jack said, gaining three nods from his team. The corridor they were following led to a huge dead end. It ended a huge circular room-like lake. A kind of antechamber. It was almost shaped like a bell, and it made their footsteps echo. Jack got a very odd sensation travelling over his sin like an electrical charge, making his hair stand on end. By the way he was acting, Mav was feeling it too. But oddly, neither Annalise nor Rita were reacting, which indicated to him that it was a spiritual phenomenon rather than a natural one. That's when he noticed the cloud against the ceiling. They're above us! Jack yelled and the four dream warriors burst away from the spot that they were standing turning their weapons skyward just in time to see the two Scarthor nightmare assassins burst out of the clouds of dark energy they'd been using to hide their presence. The two female Scarthor moved like acrobats, landing back to back in the centre of the room. Both were brandishing wicked-looking bladed weapons that had serrated curved blades, each one of them as black as the night sky. One of the Scarthor had bright yellow scales and the other one deep blue but it was their eyes that instantly grabbed Jack's attention. Black and cold, just like their weapons. Well, all except for their vertical slit pupils, which were an angry shade of blood red. You are like us. You must be the accursed dream warriors the Dark Seed warned us of, one of them hissed in a deep voice. Got it in one, Nightmare Assassin. Now, why don't you put that weapon down and let us free you from the darkness that's invaded your mind? Let us show you who you truly are, what you were supposed to be, Jack said. Their dark eyes darted from one to one another. You let this male speak for you? What kind of female are you? One of them snarled, aiming a question, obviously, at Annalise. Unlike you, we do not oppress our males, nor they us. We see strength through unity, not oppression, Annalise snarled back. The Scalifor scoffed. Unity, 
What a weak premise. Males are for serving, pleasuring and making young and that's it. You're no more your equal than an animal there. It is just as the dark seed told us. You are weak, pathetic. But this was something that you will learn in time. And also in time you will see the dark seed is correct. By that point it will be too late for you. Just like for these pathetic ghost slitherers. They will either bow before us or be destroyed. Just like you. One of them yelled before they launched themselves at the four seekers and one tiger. Jack saw the closest one rush right at him and even before their blades crossed, Jack felt her hatred and determination being channeled right at him. It obviously gave her a form of strength and a surprisingly effective one. She could obviously channel it into boosting her strength. But there was one flaw in her attack. She was under the belief that simply because she was female she had an advantage over Jack because he was male. Now this might have been true if he had been Scalathor but Jack was not Scalathor and Mav most certainly was not. The small curved blades glanced off Jack's huge blade sending a shower of sparks that lit the air all around them like little fireworks. Jack spun using the huge sword to block her follow-up attack before planting a heavy full frontal kick straight into her solar plexus sending her flying backwards as she turned over in mid-air and landed on her feet, using her tail to stabilise her backward slide. Her friend was not faring so well either. She was currently under siege from both Rita and Annalise, and they were hitting her from both sides while Zed circled and waited for an opening. Despite the speed at which the two dream warriors and nightmare assassins were moving, he found it. The huge tiger leapt forward with a mighty roar which startled the woman, causing her to turn. But Zed had not only not been trying to attack, only to distract her. And it worked, because from both sides at once Annalise and Rita shot in, putting their modified Yejuta-style wrist blades to good use by plunging them into her torso from both sides at once. The look in the woman's eyes told them that she realised in her final seconds that she'd been tricked. Even as she began to fall, the pair withdrew their blood-soaked blades and spun to face the last remaining one who rather than attack Jack again dashed backwards to her fallen friend. But it wasn't a saver. Far from it. Her intention was far more sinister. She leaned over her fallen comrade and jammed her heart onto her chest, hand onto her chest, began muttering something. Secondly, later Jack realised what was happening. Saltair! Stop her! He yelled, but it was too late. In only the fraction of a second that she was stood over a fallen comrade, she tore her dying friend's soul from her body. It's like she tore a handful of black smoke from her chest, causing the body to arch. It was a technique that soul knights knew too well, and it had only two purposes. To a soul knight, it was the way of releasing a soul from a dying body and then releasing it onwards to begin its journey into the afterlife. But it could be used in a far more insidious way by temporarily joining it to your own and feeding on its power, kind of like attaching a battery booster to your own soul. But it utterly destroyed the soul in the process, being turned into energy, turning what was once left of a person into a faint whisper of the person they once were. They became a shadow. The black cloud now seemed to surround her body, clinging to it as like it was vaporised oil. Her eyes glowed brighter in the insidious blood-red colour, and her face contorted into an even darker sneer. 
Even as one I am more than a match for you. First I will destroy you and then I will take your strength and use it to destroy these pathetic ghost slitherers. They will bow or die. These are the commands of the Dark Seed and they will be obeyed. She snarled in a slightly echoing voice. Mav, summoning, now. I'll keep her busy. Annalise, Rita, bind her. Jack yelled and she got three nods. Jack, Zed, get on her boy. Annalise yelled, and the huge tiger leapt at the nightmare assassin, causing her to jump instantly away. Jack leapt at her, bringing her huge, his huge sword down, only for her to catch it on her own curved blade and deflect it. The player clashed together over and over again as the other three began chanting. Jack kept her away from them, drawing on his considerable boosted strength to hold her in check, and it worked beautifully. As one of the tamers let out a tremendous yell and out of the very rock around them green and black roots burst forward and wrapped themselves around her arms and legs. Jack knew it wouldn't hold her for long, but it was just long enough, because no sooner had the plants wrapped than Mav finished. Grey smoke poured into the room like it was seeping through every single crack in the place. Souls of the honoured fallen, of the glorious past, I call upon you, aid us. Help us defend your brothers and sisters from evil. You sense us. Feel us. Know our hearts and intentions to be pure. We come to defend those who are innocent from harm. Lend us your strength and help us drive this evil from your home. We will stand for you in your time of need. The children of Pyre are here to stand with the children of the great tree. Stand now, with us, Mav called and instantly the grey smoke swirled and pulsed like it was deciding what to do, before it finally surged and surrounded both Jack and Mav. The pair of them glowed brightly as the smoke changed to an electric blue colour, and both of them surged forward just in time as the nightmare assassin broke free of her binds, but she wasn't fast enough, and both of them grabbed her. Let's see who's pulling the strings in there, shall we? Jack yelled, and before he had a chance to reach into her soul, he heard a sharp crack from within her jaw. Not this time, Godslayer. I go to the Dark Seed now, and you shall not stop me. Soon the Dark Seed will sprout, and its darkness will drown this universe. And only then will you see the truth. But it'll be too late, because it'll swallow you whole, she said, and with that the cyanide in her hollow tooth kicked in. And with a racking gurgle, her body went body went still as a thick white foam flowed out of her mouth, and her eyes had ceased glowing. With an echoing distant scream, the black smoke that surrounded her exploded away from her body, vanishing into the darkness. Fucking suicide tooth. They're fucking serious about not letting us capture one of their nightmare assassins, Jack said, standing up and letting the body of the night, dead nightmare assassin lay on the floor. He leaned down, closed the woman's eyes and crossed her arms over her chest in a sign of respect. He quickly also searched her body but found nothing of any interest. Annalise leaned down and checked the other one and found equally nothing. They came down with no support and no comms. This was a one-way trip, win or suicide mission, she said. So they never truly intended to capture the ghost slitherers. This was really just only a kill mission. Well, I guess unless they believed they could turn them against their own people through isolation, infected with their hate. 
Mav said. I think we should now pull out all the stops to find the ghost slitherers ourselves. The Serpentinus might not know how to handle or train them, but we do. Hopefully we can not only help them to understand who and what they are, but make peace with it and use it for the good of their people, Jack said, and the others nodded in agreement. Hey, is anyone else seeing these? Rita said suddenly, and Jack looked up from her body and looked to where she was pointing. That's when his infrared lamps lit up the walls and his mouth promptly fell open. The whole wall and ceiling were completely covered in primitive cave paintings. The paint seemed to react to infrared light and seemed to make them glow with an almost ethereal light. Oh, wow, these are incredible, Jack said as he realised he was seeing the story of the lives of the ghost slitherers unfolding through this primitive medium. One image to the far left of the cave had lots of painted little serpentinus in a huge group and one segregated from the group like it had been cast out. The image showed what looked like a lone serpentinus literally begging to be let into the crowd, but was shunned and cast out to be all alone. Now given how social they were living in little packs that, extend, that had these extended families, and essentially never alone, Jack could only imagine the existential horror these poor people must have experienced being left alone or like that not knowing what to do or where to go, shunned by their brethren. As he followed the images along, he could feel the pain and fear of the little painted serpentinus as she or he slithered the world alone, looking for someone, anyone who would accept them, who would reach out a hand to say to them and say, It's okay. I'll keep you safe. Come with me. The paintings went on, to show the lone little serpentina slithering its way through a lonely world, until it met what Jack could only assume was the great tree. It directed them to find others like them, to hide from the world. So that's when the little painted serpentinus did. It travelled from the desert to the jungles, to the forest and beyond, finding others like itself and gathering them all together. Now the little painted serpentinus had itself a family, and now they left the world that had cast them out behind and took refuge in the caves, and they vanished from the world. And that's when he saw it. After following the pictures along like a story, Jack found a glowing handprint. Now it wasn't glowing with a light. It was like it had an aura swirling around it. Jack retracted his glove from his right hand, exposing the skin underneath. He slowly placed his hand against the glowing handprint. Instantly the aura began to pulse and swirl around his hand. It seemed to pull his own aura to it and joined with it. Instantly Jack felt in his mind and images began to cycle through his mind like it was telling the story of the lonely lost Serpentinus. And that's when it hit Jack with what it was. Somehow not only the Serpentinus ghostler had managed to create an imprint of all their experiences... Not only that, but they'd linked it to the great tree. So only a true child of the great tree who had the gift could pass and required you to add your experience to the mark. It was like a spiritual monument to them all. But as a dream warrior, Jack could access it. And he found out that he could not only just access it, but he could walk along among the vast collection of memories and experiences. But he could also add his own to it. It was like he copy-pasted a part of his soul into the collective for the others following the path to lead them here, 
so that he could live his life like he just le- lived the lives of hundreds of these poor ghost slitherers all at once. And in a way, it made him smile, because he hoped by seeing his memories, it would give them hope and show them that there was another way now. As soon as the process was complete, a second aura lit up to his right, in the shape of an archway. When he reached out and touched the wall where it was glowing, the archway realised there was nothing there. It was just some form of high-grade illusion. Holy shit, it's a false wall. Guys, put your bare hand on the wall over here, Jack said, pointing to the handprint, and one after the other, each of them did, adding their own memories to the mass, each marvelling at the wonders of it. But then they saw the archway too, and it seemed to amaze them as much as it amazed Jack himself. Oh, wow, this is incredible. I've never seen anything like this before. They figured out how to imprint psychic energy onto inanimate objects. This is incredible, Annalise said, obviously impressed by the feat. The four of them and one tiger began to move through the tunnel, which now seemed to wind downwards in some sort of huge spiral staircase, but in the form of a ramp. But it eventually led down into a second antechamber, and this one had more paintings. These ones were far more detailed showing huge paintings of the great tree surrounded with serpentinus all now holding hands. There was another tunnel and they followed it, and when they reached the end, the four of them stood in utter shock and amazement. What greeted them was a miniature paradise. It was a self-contained oasis right in the centre of the mountain, which, like a volcano, appeared to be completely hollow. Right in the centre of it was a huge tree with a pool of utterly clear water surrounded by thick, lush grass and what appeared to be a little village of circular wooden houses made from wood. There was a variety of serpentinus from many different genus slithering around all over the place, doing normal day-to-day stuff. Like on the right side there was a little blacksmith station which drew Jack's eyes. There was also a little baker's building making bread with white smoke lazily coming from the large chimney on the side of the building, but they could smell the fresh breaking bread as it wafted across to them. It was now that the serpentinous packs slithering around going about the day seemed to sense the presence of the strangers in their midst, and as one they seemed to turn toward the group, and one the whole lot of them vanished back into their homes and the air was filled with panicked shouts. Moments later they all returned armed and ready to defend their homes from the outsiders, who they most likely thought was Galathor. Weapons away, power down your casters. Annalise, stand Zed down, Jack said, and she nodded, touched the big tiger on his head, and the big cat simply laid down on the grass and began to clean himself, despite still wearing armour. The Serpentina slowly and cautiously slithered their way towards them. There was a group of at least 200 of them here, he seemed to be armed with a variety of bladed weapons, bows and even spears. One of them slithered from the group and Jack instantly noticed that it appeared to be a male. And this actually surprised him, as honestly it was the first one he'd truly seen. It appeared to be of the cobra genus, looking like Lieber from Celia's pack. Who are you? How did you find this place? The male asked, flaring his hood out in an obvious threat display as at the same time he pointed his long halberd-like spear at Jack. Jack knew that the Serpentinus wouldn't understand him as he spoke, 
so he set the translator in his suit to Serpentinus. Please do not fear us. We come in peace, brother. My name is Jack Mason and I am Grand Patriarch of Clan Mason. We came here to your world to defend your people from a cowardly attack by the Scalathor. One that also had the intention of finding and either killing or converting you and your fellow ghost slitherers to their cause. We are here simply because we wish to meet you and to show you that you are not alone in this universe, Jack said. The lead Serpentinus looked confused now and looked Jack up and down with bright purple eyes. Wait, you don't have a tail. You mean to say you're not Scalathor? He exclaimed and Jack shook his head. With that he removed his helmet and signalled for the others to do the same. When confronted with four aliens and two very different alien species, there was a flurry of surprised faces and flickering tongues. The leader slowly and cautiously approached Jack, keeping his weapon trained on him. The guy was huge, from tip to tail about 14 to 16 feet long. As he came close, Jack could see the light glowing in his eyes and he smiled as he knew he was reaching out using his abilities. And Jack reciprocated in kind. You were like me, like all of us, he exclaimed and Jack nodded. We are called dream warriors. We are the children of Pyre, the great huntress. We met your great tree aboard the Scalthor freighter where we rescued a member of your species. We reached out to it and it asked for our help in saving its children from coming darkness. So here we are, because that is what the Guardian Corps and Clan Mason is all about. Strength through unity and protecting those who cannot protect themselves. And that's when we got wind of yourselves and we knew we had to meet you and we learned that Scalthor Nightmare Assassins were coming to kill or convert you as well, Jack said. Suddenly the Serpentinus's eyes widened and his tongue began going ninety to the dozen. The children of the stars! You're the children of the stars, aren't you? He exclaimed in a soft, excited-sounding whisper, a whisper that seemed to quickly begin to echo between the crowd. Jack cocked his head curiously. I'm not sure, but we are aliens, if that's what you mean. So I guess that could mean yes. But I'd have to know more to really give you a truly definitive answer, Jack said. The great tree told us many circuits ago that one day children who were born far beyond the stars would come to us and would lift us up, that they would take us by the hand and guide us, that their arrival would signify the dawning of a new age, an age of acceptance for all of our kind among our people that these star children would make us stronger, as well as showing us the way to protect our people, Mail said, and Jack smiled and he once again removed his glove. Take my hand, and let me show you the truth, brother. There are no lies, no secrets between our kind, so let me show you who we are, what we are. So here I am. See me, and let me see you. He said, and just like that, the male Serpentinus gripped his hand. And just like that, each of their eyes changed as their minds interlocked, and their lives flooded together like two rivers mixing to become one. What Jack saw in there disgusted and outraged him. It was like a fire burning hot in his soul. He saw this poor male's life from beginning to this very moment. He saw his family pack's reaction when, as a young boy, they saw how different he was. 
how they tried to hide him from the world, locking him away in a basement to keep other people away from him, so that they wouldn't see who he was and chase his family, who were very rural, away. Then he saw the day when they finally threw him out, before he was even twelve years old, this poor male, whose name was Valaran, was forced to flee his village and wander the world alone and scared. Jack felt the tears streaming down his face as he felt the pain and the fear, and how close to death he came before by absolute sheer luck. Another ghost slitherer found him and brought him here. Over time he grew into a fine male who was determined to protect all ghost slitherers here, like they were one giant pack. Soon he became the leader of the settlement, and made it his mission to not only protect them, but to search for and find more like them, and to bring them to safety. On, on the other side, Valoran was also had tears streaming down his face, as he saw Jack's life, all the things he'd been through, all the things he'd seen, and then the world that he and Tick had built, and what they had based it on. It, it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. You've built paradise with your bare hands. You built paradise and now you came here, across an ocean of stars to protect us. Literal stranger aliens to you, because you cannot bear the thought of anyone hurting us or taking advantage of us. Like that. I, I feel it. I feel the love you have, the burning desire to protect. It's incredible, Valoran said. And Jack just smiled. It's something you can all have, Valoran. We'd more than happily help you out. Not only are your quest to find more of your brother and sister ghost slitherers, but of training you to protect the ones you love, as well as educating your people about you and who you are, showing them that you are nothing to fear, but to embrace and to be proud of. And if you wish it, We'd be more than happy to take you to our home world where you can train as seekers of truth. From there, the choice will be yours. You can either come back here and form your own version of the seekers, which we'd be more than happy to help negotiate and integrating with your people's military, and showing that not only how the Royal Pack, how you could be major assets to them, or for any who wish it, you'd be more than welcome to join Guardian Corps as full-blown seekers, and earn yourself a place on our home, a place that you can build with your own two hands, and you can become a member of our pack, our clan, Jack said. To his absolute surprise, the huge serpentine male broke down. He began sobbing and hugging Jack right in front of everyone. It was obvious to Jack that this poor male had never experienced such pure and unadulterated acceptance by a complete stranger, other than when he'd been taken in by the ghost slitherers. Jack turned to the Seekers. I'm going to perform a mass joining, he said, and the three of them grinned and nodded, and Valoran's eyes lit up as he saw in Jack's memories what he meant. Then he turned to Valoran, and he also saw that Jack was the only dream warrior powerful enough in generations to be able to truly pull something like this off. With your permission, he said, and the big male nodded in agreement. And with that, Jack reached out with his mind and pushed his power right up, letting it surge through him, filling him up. His power lifted him from the ground and he held out his hands before energy like purple lightning shot from him and joined every single one of them together like a huge version of the handprint that they'd encountered. 
In an instant the thoughts and memories were blended together in one huge mash, and each and every one of those people gathered felt the entirety of everything, the same expression that Valoran had, and soon tears were flowing from every single eye in the gathered crowd, and literally every weapon clattered to the ground as they saw the truth of their visitors. Jack slowly lowered back down to the ground, his hair still wavering and crackling with electrical energy. Slowly he placed his hands on Valoran's large shoulders. He was slightly smaller than the females in the crowd around him, as were all of the males in the group. From this moment, you, your people and all ghost slitherers are under the protection of Clan Mason. Never again will you be cast out or treated with disdain or dishonour. You will be given a place of welcome among our kind. And not only that, but we will restore your people's place of honour among your own kind for you. We will make them see your worth and your value. Never again will a child go slither or be forced to slither this world alone and afraid. Never again will they be cold and angry. Together we will show them who you are. Blessed children of the great tree, just like any Serpentinus. From this moment on, you are protected. Jack said, his voice booming across the area and reaching the ears of every single one of them. The outpouring of emotion was wonderful to see and instantly the group found themselves surrounded by very enthusiastic Serpentinus, who were hugging them, accepting handshakes. Even Zed was getting petted and stroked like he was a giant house cat, purring very happily and nuzzling against them all. Suddenly Jack noticed a lot of little heads popping up from around the circular huts, and curious little tongues began to flicker away. He couldn't help but smile as slowly but cautiously the little children began to gather and emerge, from their hiding places to see the strange alien visitors now. This was the first time any of them had seen children Serpentinus, and to be fair they were the cutest little things in the world, all dressed in their peasant-style gear, lots of hand-woven flax and cotton shirts and skirts. Even the males wear skirts, which kind of given made sense that they didn't have legs. Jack noticed that there were some mixed versions of the genus among them too. He noticed one little ch- female clutching a little hand-stitched dolly that was a very crude little serpentinus to her chest. She looked like she was a mixture of a type of viper and possibly a python. She slithered up to Jack and looked up, up at him. He smiled at her. Suddenly he was very glad that they hadn't brought any battle angels with them. The girls among their number were tor- notorious for gushing over little ones of any species. It was often very hard to pray a newborn from the cooing and squealing girls to hand them over to their birth mother in the hospital hive. And with the cuteness of these little serpentinus with their huge eyes and happy innocent smiles and flickering tongues, they would have had those dinos gushing. Hello there, little one, Jack said softly as he crouched down to look at the girl and her dolly. Hello, my name is Selika, and this is Sabre. You're a boy, aren't you? The little girl said, looking up at him. Jack nodded. Yep. My name's Jack Mason, but you two can call me Jack, he said. My mummies tell me it's the duty of all girls to protect our boys, but our boys are strong and they protect us too. Do your girls protect you too? She asked, making Jack chuckle softly. Oh yes, you should meet my wife. She's the strongest girl you'd ever meet. 
She's big and powerful and there's few foolish enough to ever mess with her loved ones. Her wrath is the stuff of legends. But those she loves and cares for, you could never meet a more loving or gentle female. She would protect any person here with her dying breath, he said. Silica nodded, obviously understanding. My mummies are really strong. They protect my daddy, keep him safe, and my little brother too, she said with such passion in her voice that Jack couldn't help but smile. Don't worry, little one. The Guardian Corps is really strong, and we will protect both your mummies and your daddy, not to mention your brother too, he said, making her smile. My Jack, why do people hate us? Why, what did we do wrong? She asked so innocently and sweetly that it actually tugged at his heartstrings. People are often scared of what they don't understand, Silica. I was lucky when my powers awoke. I was among people who understood what I was. If I'd been among my own kind, undoubtedly they would have been as scared of me too. It was one of the reasons that my wife took out form clad and mason, so that people like me would have a safe place to turn, to understand who and what we are. And to be cap- and to understand what we're capable of, and to harness it, and become what we're meant to be, he said, and the little girl smiled. That sounds like a beautiful thing. I saw the pretty place in the dream you sent me. Can I go there? Can I see it for real? she asked, and Jack smiled and nodded. Yes, of course you can. And if you want to, your mummies and daddies allow it, we can even teach you how to become a seeker like me. Would you like to see what seekers can do? He asked and she nodded curiously. Now I'm what what we call a soul knight. See Annalise over there? She's the pretty lady with the blonde hair and the big tiger. Jack said pointing. She nodded and looked at Annalise who was showing the serpentinus how to properly pet Zed and tickle under his chin now that his helmet was down. She's what we call a tamer. Now soul knights can speak to the dead. We see them as if they were alive, as you or I. Tamers, on the other hand, they communicate with nature. They feel the power and the beauty of Mother Earth, and they can control it, she said, and she looked amazed. That's when Jack began his soul summoning. He began to chant softly and focused his power. Being the most powerful dream warrior in generations really did have its benefits. Smoke began to rise from all around him, calling a great grey tornado around him until it exploded outwards, creating a wash that flowed over the entire village, startling the other ghost slitherers who had turned back to look at him now as he levitated in place, holding his arms outwards. Souls of the honoured beloved past, hear my call. I offer the chance to meet your brethren, your beloved ones. Enter this plane, you my power. And come, see them, Jack said loudly, and almost instantly the smoke took the form and became see-through Serpentinus, much to the surprise and joy of the ghost slitherers gathered. There were cries of pure emotion from all around as lost fathers, mothers and brothers and sisters were reunited with the ones they'd left behind. To Jack's pure delight, he saw the conversation sparking up all around him, and it was a beautiful sight. When Jack finally shut down the shoal summoning, he found himself completely surrounded by gold slitherers, all hoping to learn how he did that. This is just among one of the many things that we can offer you. Any soul knight among us can do this. 
just like any timer among us can do this, he said, giving Annalise a knowing nod as he left his voice trail off. Annalise smiled and began her own kind of summoning, though this one wasn't to the souls of the dead, instead to something very much alive. A pulse of power rippled out from her outstretched hands, and no sooner as it touched the ground than flowers began to grow and bloom all around her, creating an explosion of colour that seemed to ripple outwards across the village as the plants responded to her call. There were cries of alarm at first, and then of wonder, and finally of pure joy. Can you teach this to us? Some asked, and there were some nods of agreement all around them. That, and so much more. There is a place on our homeworld that if you search the memories from us that you will see, it's called the Temple of Seekers. Look and see it for yourself. See what it is we do, and what we teach there. We can show you how to do the most wonderful and beautiful things. Each of them searched the memories, and it was a curious flurry of tongues, as they were actually trying to reach out and smell the place, filled with wonders from across the ocean of stars. We want this, Grand Patriarch. We want this wonderful thing you offer us. Please, take our packs with you. Please, Valoran said, and Jack nodded. You can come with us, but pack light. When you come to us, we will need to. We will give you all you need while you are there, he said, and Valoran immediately started yelling instructions to his people, and they immediately burst and slithered off in all directions to start packing. Jack had never seen such determination in his life. They packed their meagre belongings, and pretty soon the entire group was ready to go. So with Jack and Annalise at the lead, and the group, and then Rita and Mav at the rear, the entire group left their little village. They all slithered up through the passages. They spotted the two night- dead Scalathor nightmare assassins, and Jack saw Valoran looking through his memories until he saw the battle. They were coming to kill us, Valoran said, and Jack nodded. When it came to their kind, we preferred to capture and free them from their power holding them. But with these two, they gave us no choice, Jack said, and Valoran nodded, seeing both Jack's memories and the way he'd treated the body after her death. You pay respect to a fallen enemy. This is a sign of an honourable being, he said, and Jack nodded. Thank you, Valoran, he said, and with that the group headed outside. Seeker one wonder dreamer. Come in, dreamer, Jack said into his comms. Good to hear your voice, my love. How did it go with the ghost slitherers and the nightmare assassins? Tick responded. Two nightmare assassins accounted for and dealt with. I'm going to need to send you to send down some landers to pick up about 200 passengers. Over, Jack replied. The surprise in Tick's voice was evident. Over 200 new dream warriors, she exclaimed. I think they prefer the name Ghost Slitherers, but yes, they wish to come with us and be trained at the temple. Over, he responded. This is wonderful news, my love. I'll have Senator Aleth send her saviours to bring down some shuttles and pick them up. Will you be returning as well, my love? Over, Tis gasped. Not yet. We're heading back to the capital. Don't want to leave until we're sa- sure it's safe and secure. On that front, any su- word from Seeker 2-1? Or seeker one two, over, Jack asked. 
No, nothing from either of our beloved Cabo or Seeker 1-2 yet. We've been scanning the area, but the Nightmare Assassins are good at hiding themselves, as you are during the time during my time of the month. Over, Tick said, making Jack tuckle. But truly, Juju to PMS was no laughing matter. Well, once the ghost slitherers are safely aboard the shuttles, we'll head back to the capital and reinforce them. Hopefully the other two Nightmare Assassins don't reach them before we do. Seeker 1-1 over and out, Jack said. Liam felt a tongue flickering near his ear for the fifth time in about an hour. Lieber, it's really hard for me to focus with you tasting my ear all the time, he said without opening his eyes, though honestly he didn't need to open them. As thanks to his soul sense, he could see through them just fine, though it was like looking at them through shadows, and their bodies glowed like they were made of blue shimmering smoke. Plus, it wasn't just what his eyes could see. Soul sense allowed him to see everything around him like he was standing outside his own body looking at it. That's how he knew it was Lieber hovering over him taking notes. He watched her hood flaring curiously and he saw even saw the blood pulsing to the muscles that controlled her hood. It sent sparkles of light along her body as her life-giving blood moved out throughout her. He could also see the other three members of the royal pack that were with her, with her observing him. So, sorry, my beautiful husband, but I cannot resist watching you. This is utterly fascinating. How did you know it was me? Vini was studying you earlier, she replied. So Liam decided to scare the crap out of her. Because I can see you, his voice said from behind her head, and she snapped around her hood, flare, fully flaring in alarm. When she turned back, his eyes were open, and as one of the three members of the royal park gazed, gasped in amazement. His eyes are like looking at miniature galaxies. One of them, who was Le- Liam had learned, was called Sama, and was actually Lieber's twin sister, exclaimed. See? What did I tell you, sister? Gaze upon the beauty that my pack has bagged for ourselves, and feel the envy. This is our beauty, and no one else's. I get to gaze into these exquisite eyes whenever I want now. Not to mention the rest of the beauty he now hides. Lieber said, first looking at her sister before shooting a Liam a playful look, which caused him to flush bright red. By the great tree, they change colour? You never said their skin changes colour like this. Bera, a leaf-coloured asp genus, said, darting her head forward towards him and examining Liam from very close up, nearly making him recoil. Yes, we uh, got a glimpse of that beauty you spoke of when Syrian Grand Patriarch Jack Shocked you all out of bed this morning. It's safe to say I'm rather jealous of your pack husband. That your has your pack has secured for yourselves. Sam said, smiling at her sister, who smiled proudly at Liam, who just chuckled softly to himself. He definitely was not used to being put on a pedestal, let alone one so grand. So what are you doing, seeker Liam? Sam asked, moving her head around him, looking at him from different angles. I'm meditating. Or at very least trying to. I'm also using my soul sight to try and give me an early warning about anyone approaching us, Liam said. Soul sight? What's that? Samar asked curiously. Our husband is a ghost slitherer, remember? He can do amazing things, Vimi said proudly. Dream warrior, but I guess it's essentially the same thing. We have a variety of abilities based on what cast of dream warrior we belong to. I'm a soul knight, so my abilities are based primarily in the spirit realm. I can see the dead and call to them for aid 
or to boost my strength, or to even hide me from sight among many other things, Liam said. It's true. You've literally vanished from sight last night. Scared the scales off us when he popped up again behind us, Celia said, from where she was sat at Siri's side. What other types of dream warriors are there? Siri asked curiously. Two that we know of. Tamers, which are run by Jack's son, Ryan, who you already met. Their power comes from a connection to nature. They call on it, bend it and twist it to their needs. Anything from summoning a bunch of local predators to fight for them, to using plants to shield their friends, or to even slow down and restrain enemies. That's kind of why Annalise walks around with that huge pet fire tiger of hers. She's got a whole pack of them back home. And to her friends and loved ones, it's like having a pack of giant kittens wandering around the place. To her enemies, or the clan's enemies... There's no scarier sight than those tigers charging into battle dressed in their armour. Imagine a whole lot of angry Zeds charging right at you wearing full armour, Liam said. And he could see both Libra and Samad looking at one another, obviously impressed at the thought. The final cast are the rarest of the lot. Seekers of balance. They're kind of a blend between the two. Unable to use the higher end abilities of either group. But there's a speciality is finding others like us. They're tuned highly towards the energies of our kind that we give off. But ironically, it also makes them pretty rare. We also we only have a small number of them in our ranks currently. But fortunately, our Grand Patriarch is also the most powerful dream warrior to ever exist in many generations. He is the chosen one of Our Lady Pyre, personally blessed to defend us. They call him the God Slayer, Jack said, Liam said, standing up and stretching himself watching as all the girls subconsciously flicked their tongues at him. God Slayer? Libra asked. He defeated the dark god Loki right at the beginning of the formation of our clan, pulled him out of an innocent dream warrior called Hachek, a Yuzhuta female, a kind and gentle member of the Yuzhuta, which sounds like a kind of double negative given how aggressive they tend to be. But what this poor girl suffered is beyond measure. The way our Grand Matriarch tells it, it would have been too easy for him to just kill her. He wanted us. He wanted to understand her and to find out why she'd gone bad and what was driving her to do the horrible things she did. What he found chills the blood of every dream warrior that hears the tale and is one of the very first things that seekers are taught. What we are determined is who we are. Being a dream warrior has its risks and a bit of a double-edged sword. It leaves us vulnerable to the influence. In case of a check and others, possession by dark forces. She was a prisoner within her own mind and forced to watch as Loki Joey rode around in her own body, using her powers to do as he pleased, he explained. That, that's awful, Suri said, utterly fascinated by the conversation now. It seemed that ghost Slytherism, by extension dream warriors, were a fascination of hers. Liam nodded. That's why the Seeker Temple exists, to train us. Not only to use our abilities, but also how to discipline our minds and protect ourselves against these influences. To use our powers for good. To hear the call of the good deities. Like that of the Lady of the Eternal Hunt, Pyre. And now by your great tree. In fact, I'm convinced that's how the great tree was able to reach out to our Grand Patriarch in the first place. Liam said. Well, I for one am incredibly glad that he did. I've never been more than... Thankful to our great tree than I am right now. The great tree completed my pack 
in the most wonderful and beautiful way, by leading a beautiful, proud and strong mammalian male to our door and into our loving coils. He rescued our beloved pack sister and showed us the true beauty of love. Lever said, slithering up to Liam and wrapping her coils around him before embracing him and bumping her snout against his nose. He knew from their memories that this, this was their form of kiss to them. Sev, Vimy and Slea instantly slithered over and joined up in the wrap as well. Liam found himself wrapped in four sets of powerful rippling coils. Each of them leaned in and gave him a tickling kiss, which he happily returned. Suddenly Liam began to sense something. It was black and oily smoke drifting in through his senses. Girls, let me go, he said, his voice instantly tense and immediately Slea was concerned. We didn't wrap you too tightly, did we? We know that you don't like being restrained, she said softly. No, it's not that. There's something coming, Liam exclaimed and Slea's eyes went wide in understanding and she and the four girls unwrapped him and looked for it to him for instruction. Liam quickly deployed his helmet. Secure the royal pack, and mine as well, Liam shouted to the royal guards, who instantly reacted, hustling the now obviously frightened regent and her pack along with Slear and hers into the corner of the room and surrounded them protectively. The royal guards put a wall of scales and meat between the vipers and whatever threat was coming. With Liam at its head, he was the tip of the spear now. He didn't know how in hell the name... Nightmare assassins managed to slip past the other seaters or hunters, but it seems that they had. Seeker 1-2 to all nearby seeker call signs. The enemy is inside the walls approaching the safe room, Liam said into the comms. Roger that, we're on our way, Ryan voice yelled back. They'd chosen this room because it was the most secure as it had no windows and just one way in and one way out. As Liam drew his swords and powered up his plasma caster as he turned to face the entrance... As he did, every single one weapons of the guards whatever also came up. Whatever was coming was almost here, and he was ready to face it. He would defend those he loved with his final breath if need be. Come hell or high water, it was not getting to his girls. Not while he still drew breath. He would fight for his love, no matter what came. Uh, so that was chapter 12, ladies and gentlemen. But will Liam be able to defend the Royal Pack and his own from the oncoming Nightmare Assassins? Will Jack be arrive in time to support them? Will Ryan be able to aid him? There's only going to be one way to answer those questions and so many more. You're going to have to tune in next time. So until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, I'll see you all next time.